Greetings, I am the mighty Master Voluminous, teacher, commentator, and most importantly to you, storyteller. Welcome back to Voluminous Reads. Welcome back to Vator Feel Free to Die. In today's chapter, Tamika and Kahiso are meeting with a man claiming to have information on our vigilante friend. Is this a waste of time, or will this meeting provide valuable insights? We'll take a look in a moment, but first I would like to express my sadness at the passing of AKA, a South African rapper who was recently gunned down in front of a restaurant in Durban. For someone of his status to have his life ended in such a matter is a reminder that none of us are immortal and that life is truly short. I advise you all listening here today, if it is at all possible to end your quarrels with others, do so. If you have loved ones, let them know you care. Go out and live your life to the fullest, but do it while staying safe. My condolences go out to AKA's friends and family. Now, on with the story. Chapter 14 Witness to Murder Night falls and Habib Zagardi feels uneasy. Rightfully so. He is taking a big risk. And for what? 500 Edsos? Pretty good stack of cash, but not worth his life. He should have stuck to his original offer. Zagardi knows all too well that nothing happens in Scotch without the underworld knowing. So why should someone capable of going to war with it be any different? He's already got those blockheads worshipping him. What if one of them is listening in? He constantly looks over his shoulder, being careful not to make his fearful state apparent to potential spies. The guardian will never forget the day he saw him. The phantom. Vator. It felt like a dream. The way he moved, as fast as the wind. Curved dagger in one hand. Sword. Or was it a machete in the other? Black cloak and skeletal features blending into the shadows and making Zargardi and the killer's soon-to-be victims wonder if he was truly there to begin with. That thing can't be human, he thought, as he watched the massacre of the group of thugs play out before him. These were seven young, strong men, and that specter cut through them like a chainsaw through a piece of polystyrene. In a matter of minutes, they were down. Except, there was one more. An eighth man, early, tall, dark-skinned, he had a thick beard, wore a basketball jersey and baggy jeans. Vator appeared to be admiring his handiwork, unaware of the eighth man, and that his one-man audience had begun to take photos with his cell phone. The man with the beard pulled out a gun, thinking that Vator was unaware of his presence. Zagardi thought so too, until the man's head was divorced from his shoulders in the same amount of time that it would have taken him to pull the trigger. The ghost man stared down at his victim's decapitated body and dragged it to the others. He then began to look around, probably checking for witnesses. Wait, I'm a witness. Fortunately, a dark alleyway allowed him to duck out of sight. It seemed the killer had not spotted him. Vator then fled the scene with the speed and grace of an impala, scaling the buildings with acrobatic skill that Zargardi had never seen. Once at the top, 
dashed across the rooftops until he was completely out of sight. Are you sure this guy's legit? Amika asks, putting the envelope in her jacket pocket. They are waiting at the Wasteland nightclub for their informant. Kahiso sighs. For the tenth time, Tammy, yes. He showed me the picture of that Vatro guy killing some thugs. Those pictures could have been fully manipulated, she says. Kahiso rolls his eyes. Zargati is not that smart. But why wasn't this reported on? No newspaper or network talked about it. And even if they did, why was this occurrence so special? Tamika asks, frustrated that her partner might be wasting her time. And her money. We've already seen what the killer looks like. Because he knows where we can find this guy. What? Why didn't you say so? Keep your voice down. Look, if I told you that we could find the killer's evil lair, you'd have done something crazy. I wouldn't have... Okay, okay, so maybe I can be a little reckless, but still, we're partners. You should be able to trust me. I do trust you, but I know you, which is why I wanted to keep this on the DL until we properly, until we were properly prepared. DL? Seriously? Kiso shrugs. Make a size. All right. So when's he supposed to get here? A short Persian man in a black jacket and brown hat enters into view. He looks around until he spots them and walks over quickly. Do you have the money? It depends. Do you have something we can actually use? Zagardi frowns. Who's this? She's my partner. He still says, looking to keep the peace. Partner? You said nothing about a partner. Tamika slants her eyes. Yeah, he does that. Okay, maybe we should discuss this somewhere more private. The alley, around back. I'm not telling you squat unless you have my money. Gestures for them to follow him. Tamika scowls in Kahiso's direction. This is bullshit. You owe me 500 heads up. The photographer gives a nervous smile. Don't worry, don't you dare! Those piercing teal eyes make him swallow. Sorry, sorry I got so tense back there. As Zagardi says after being shown the money, I've been so scared for my life all, all day. It's like, like shadows have eyes. No problem. Mika says, taking out her notebook pad. So, you think he's targeting you? Never mind that. Forget I said anything. Zagardi said. He tells them what he saw and shows them the pictures. Tamika doing her best to hide her skepticism. This story sounds all... the dramatized accounts she'd heard for the last couple of weeks. This is a waste of time. But then Zagardi asked them to follow him. Where are we going? Give her your money's worth, Zagardi says, but says nothing more. They travel through a series of alleyways and back roads for almost an hour. The two reporters getting increasingly uneasy with the increasingly diminishing number of people. Mika is just about fed up when Zagardi stops. There it is, he says. Yeah, what is? Mika says, finally having enough. Where have you taken us? 
Haven't you kids been wondering why the people in this neighborhood call him the Freebird Phantom? Gardy asks, somewhat mockingly. Because the freak has the whole street to himself. They all look up at the road sign that reads, Freebird Avenue. So he's down there? Amika asks, looking down the seemingly endless street. Of course, how could she not make the connection? This is where the first killings are taking place. She thanks Agadi, and she thanks Agadi. Just don't, just don't mention me when you publish it, he says firmly before departing. Amika stares only at the abandoned street. She, remember, she remembers the stories from her youth, how her father used to warn her not to ever go near it. That's all they were to her before now. Well, I say we call it a night and come back tomorrow, Hiso says, clasping his hands together. Mika ignores him and starts walking forward. Um, Tammy, what are you doing? Does it look like I'm, go I'm doing? I'm going to get the story. She turns back to him, those piercing teal eyes, leaving no room for argument. And you are coming with me. Den. I wasn't expecting that, were you? Of course I was, I'm the mighty master of Illuminus. Also, I read ahead, you know. <laughs> I do own a copy, which you can get on Amazon, or Take A Lot, or various other online retailers. So, the empty street that we were introduced to at the very beginning of the story. And this guy has it all to himself. I do wonder what, why that is. What's the history here? Well, I'm, I, maybe Tamika and Kakiso will find out. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll both die painful, horrible deaths. Find out next time on Voluminous Reads. Goodbye, my acolytes. <laughs> oh, yes, and um, a reminder, you know. Stay safe, look out for each other, and squash your quarrels. <laughs>